Hey, let's take a moment right now. Would you close your eyes? Would you open up your heart? If you're comfortable to lift your hands towards heaven, let's just take a minute to pray together. Father, thank you so much that you have made a way for us to be able to breathe in the air of heaven. And I'm praying that today refreshing would come to every person in this room, that you would lift our lives to brand new places. Father, we open our hearts to you. We say, let your name be lifted up. Let your name be glorified. Let your kingdom come. Your will be done. We open our hearts to you. Holy Spirit, breathe fresh life. In Jesus' name, somebody say amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord. Amen. Thank you so much. You can be seated. Great to see you guys today. Thanks for coming to worship with us today. This is one of, uh, today is a great day because I am going to get to share some thoughts that have made a huge impact on my own life. And uh, I'm excited to talk about living life abundantly living life abundantly. We're in wide open spaces, and wide open spaces is a title we've given to a set of messages that uh, is us walking through 2 Corinthians. Um, and so we're, we're learning some ideas out of some of the amazing concepts that are in this book of 2 Corinthians. And before I dive into 2 Corinthians, I, I just want to give you this verse, Proverbs 11 Verse 24 says, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy, everybody say, don't be stingy. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The last thing you want to do is live your whole life stingy and live in a world that gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And uh, there's actually, there's two options in front of us. Uh, we can live, we can live in larger or we can live in smaller. And it's our choice uh, whether we are going to be generous and live in a larger world or whether we're going to be stingy and live in a smaller world. It is one of the values of our church uh, that we love generosity around here. We love to be generous in our amens. Amen. We love to be generous in encouraging people. We love to be generous when we tip our waiter and waitress. We love to be generous when it's time to uh, pray for people, to bless people, to go to the nations. We love generosity around here. Generosity is a beautiful thing, and stingy is not a beautiful thing. And so all of where we're at right now in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 8, 2 Corinthians 9, are two chapters that are devoted to the idea of how to resource ministry. And Paul is giving to the Corinthian church, and he's giving to you and me 
um, some, some operating system ideas, some paradigms or outlooks or ways to think that enable us to live in a place called generosity. Uh, he's not just encouraging people to give to ministry. He's actually giving concepts that help people enlarge their thinking so that it can fuel a generosity mindset. So we've been studying this for a couple of weeks. In the first session, we talked about this. The, there's this big idea. Number one, Jesus broke the curse of poverty. I don't know if, if you've ever had the opportunity to, to be around poverty or go to a country where poverty exists in a big way, but poverty is a curse. And it ruins lives, it hurts people, it closes options in every way. And the Bible says this in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. You know, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. I'm not going to take a lot of time to talk about that today, but uh, I would encourage you to get a hold of that message online. You can watch it. You can listen to it. The second idea that we're, we're talking about where the operating system gets shifted for us is when we sow bountifully, we reap bountifully. So 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6 says, This I say, he who sows sparingly, or he who sows or gives out stingy, will also reap sparingly, but he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Uh, I want us to get how big this idea is. You have a part in creating your future. And, and all, all of life is this divine partnership with God. It's not all God, and it's not all you. But when you enter into a partnership with God and understand God's way of doing things, you have a part in creating your future by either sowing sparingly today, which creates a sparing future, or by sowing bountifully today or generously today, which creates a bountiful future or a generous future. Uh, if you were to go to uh, many uh, county fairs, or you would, you would see uh, different contests that go on. And one of the contests that would happen is you would, there would be a pumpkin growing contest. Who could grow the largest pumpkin? And, uh, and this pumpkin right here weighs almost one ton. Anybody like pumpkin spice lattes? Uh, that would... Actually, I don't know if there's any real pumpkin in a pumpkin spice latte. But, uh, but if you wanted to grow a pumpkin of this size, you would not be able to walk over to Home Depot and just buy a pack of seeds and grow that pumpkin. You would have to go to a, a special place that is all about these champion pumpkin seeds. If you want a champion pumpkin, you have to plant a champion pumpkin seed. If you want 
your life to be large pumpkin, then you got to plant the right seed. And if you want your life to be a little pumpkin, then you plant a little seed. And I'm going to suggest to you that your tithe, your first and best 10%, not leftovers, but your tithe is your champion, holy pumpkin seed. And when you sow that seed, you get that pumpkin. Imagine if you sought out uh, this type of seed, because there's really only, uh, only a handful of places where you could get it, and it all originated from one guy named Howard Dill, who kind of, you know, worked and formulated this seed that grows those kind of pumpkins. Imagine if you were to find one of those seeds and then accidentally eat it. They're not cheap seeds, by the way. Uh, they're costly seeds. And I'm suggesting to you that if you want your future to be bigger, what you do with the first and best tithe is what's going to determine whether your future grows larger or grows bigger. Here's how the Bible teaches it. Uh, Malachi 3.10 says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there would be resources or food in my house and test me in this. Test me on this one, says the Lord of hosts, if I'll not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. In other words, big pumpkins. Proverbs 3, verse 9 and 10 says this. Um, oh, sorry, let me read verse 11. Uh, no, Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Go back, sorry. There we go. Honor the Lord from your wealth, not just your time, and not just your serving as a substitute, but honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first. Everybody say the first. Of all you produce, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. I'm suggesting to you this, that your tithe is not just any seed. It's your champion life seed. <laughs> it's, it's, it's what's going to produce the larger world for you. And this is the promise that God gives. If we sow tithe, then we would reap the windows of heaven open over our life. We would reap the devourer rebuked for our sake. We would reap barns filled with plenty. We would reap vats overflowing with new wine. In other words, overflowing blessing would come into our world. I'm, I'm saying this to you after literally living it for four decades, uh, and even more than that, that God honors his word when we honor him with our tithe. It's a special seed. It's not just any old seed. Our ushers are going to hand out a, um, a brochure. We've been handing these out every week for the past three weeks, and you might be wondering, I've already seen this one before. I just want you to realize that not everybody comes to church every week. Hard to imagine. 
and uh, we realized that to cover our whole church, uh, we have to do this for a few weeks to get everybody on the same page. If you've already got one of these, uh, you can pass it on, or if you want to hang on to it again, you certainly can. Here's what we're trying to help everyone understand, is that there is a way to step into an amazing, abundant, blessed life. So possibly you're new around here, you're first timer, or you're brand new to church, or you're, you're kind of newer to, uh, you know, to Christianity, and you don't really give anything yet. You just come and you've been blessed, and you love the worship, and, uh, and you really love the messages, and you're just into what's happening, and, and your life is being touched. Awesome. We're so glad that you're here. And, but you haven't given anything yet. You haven't really kind of moved from being consumer to actually being contributor. And that's okay. It's okay to start there. Then there are the, those people that are occasional givers. They, they give, but not really consistently. So every once in a while, if, if their heart moves them, they might drop 5 or 10 or $20 in to the offering and just sort of occasionally give and not really super committed to the idea of, uh, of giving to the Lord. Then there are those who are kind of, who've gotten to intentionality and they give consistently, but they don't actually understand the idea of the tithe and understand the value of it. So they give, but it's, but it's still underneath uh, the tithe. And then there are people that have uh, actually gotten the, the, the lights have come on and they get this idea about honoring God with tithe and they are faithfully giving 10% of their income. It's like, it just right off the top, before the car note, before the house note, before the, before the new iPhone, before, you know, anything, honor God with first and best. And some people have got that and they're there. And then what, what I want to encourage us to do is, and, and because of what I'm going to talk about today, you'll see, but I want to encourage us to understand that we can go beyond tithing into generosity. And that there, there are those of us that I believe the Holy Spirit wants to speak to that will go above and beyond. You know, your tithe is just what you owe to the Lord. It's like, it's like sending in your payment for your car, uh, GMAC, and saying, aren't you appreciative of my generosity? No, it's just, it's just what you owe, and, you're, and our tithe is just what we owe. Generosity is when we go beyond that, and I hope we'll see that we can live in a much bigger, larger world and go into something that would be enormous blessing into our life. I would like to introduce to the stage an amazing couple, Byron and Martha Matthews, and I think they understand this as well as anybody does, and I'd love for them to have a chance to share their story. Come on, you can do better than that. Give them a great big hand. Well, good morning. My name is Therese, and it is my privilege to be here with Byron and Martha Matthews, who are some awesome members and volunteers here of our church. Thank you guys for letting us sit and chat for a little bit and everyone else here just hanging out with us. Hey, Byron and Martha, tell us a little bit about yourselves. Well, hey, we're glad to be with you. We are Byron and Martha Matthews, and uh, today actually is a momentous day that I forgot to tell first service. 26 years ago, like right now, I said yes. So <laughs> we have So a, we have an engagement anniversary here as well. We're well, well, happy Right here. So we have been married for 25 years, and we are very blessed to have two great kids. Paula's 16. <laughs> 
And uh, if your kids, elementary age kids, ever talk about Mr. Paul from Kids Rock, that's him right there. Um, Victoria is sixth grade. She's 11. And uh, thank you, Zeus. And you have a little dog. Yes, Gracie. Gracie and Gracie. Now, we have been walking through as a church through this generosity adventure, and I can think of no better family to sit and talk with than Byron and Martha, because friends and family, if you know the Matthews, you know that they're very generous in many ways, but especially with your finances. So what I would like to know is, have you always been this way? Were you taught and, and raised to be generous? Well, um, thankfully, both of us were raised in Christian homes, and uh, both sets of parents really just modeled it and taught it. It was just something you just did. You always tithed. You always made yourself available as best as you were able. So. Awesome. And then um, you guys found this out about each other when you, when you were dating and knew that that would be a priority and a value in your life. I think that's awesome. That's awesome. Hey, next question. So over these last few weeks, we've heard from several people talking about God's faithfulness and, and in their giving and in their generosity that God is faithful. And we've learned that giving and being generous actually is an act of obedience because God actually does command his people to pay our tithe and to be generous. But with this obedience is a joy to it. And I see that in you guys. And so I want to talk about that for a minute. How have you seen this to be true in your life and true for your family? Well, we look at like this, an illustration I heard a long time ago. In your car, you have a gauge for your fuel and your speedometer. You keep your eyes on those things. And what we look at is God says in Romans 15 that, that God fills us with joy and peace and believing that we may abound in hope. So joy and peace are kind of gauges as to whether or not we're really in faith and believing. So, you know, the hope in the Bible, the word means confident expectation. So the best example I can give you is Christmas Eve. Oh, yeah, you're excited because you know what's coming, and you have a hope, and you have a joy and excitement, and just builds all month long until Christmas Eve. Just remember you're a little kid and how it was, because you knew your parents were going to bless you, and a guy in a red suit was going to bless you, and it was just going to be exciting, and so you had that hope. Well, once you start understanding that God builds his kingdom on sowing and reaping, he, it's not a genie in a bottle. We don't give to get, but at the same time, there's not a farmer out there that sows without expecting a harvest. Okay, so when you understand sowing and reaping, the two purposes, really one is eternal fruit. Okay, you get excited about that. Just think of the people that will come to you one day from Nicaragua, you've never been, but you gave to missions and come to you in heaven and said, I'm here because of your gifts. Think of that eternal fruit. And then there's also temporal fruit. There's the abundance that Pastor Kirk is talking about today, that our lives will be full and rich and, and have no needs. And it's been that way for us. Our, our giving has grown, and we've sown seed, and then we started offering above our tithe, and we don't have any needs. It's, it's amazing. Whatever we need, we just we pay for it because God has so blessed us financially because we walked in that light and that truth that he's given us. It's, it's such a peace not to worry about money. Thank you, Byron. Thank you. I love that idea, being led by your hope and your peace. Hey, when you guys have an opportunity to give, um, how do you make that decision? And how are you teaching your kids to make that decision? So the first 10% of every dollar that's earned is the tithe. That's just a given. There's not really any discussion about it. There have been plenty of things in 25 years of marriage that we have discussed, sometimes at high levels of volume, but that was never 
a consideration. Let's go, Martha. Um, so, but, um, but that we never even have to think about. So when our kids were small and we started paying them for things like taking out the trash, I just made it easy on them and me. I would start with $2.50 a week. And I'd make little envelopes a month at a time, and they would know 25 cents is going in the savings account, 25 cents we get to give to God, and $2 we keep. And that way they could learn it was easy until it became a habit. It was easy math until they got better at math. Um, just to make it a habit. And so when we were earning our income, every paycheck that came in, first line item is 10% to God. It's just the way it was. There was no discussion. Um, and then we get excited as a family when mission trips come up because we get to share. We believe it's partnering. You know, we may not get to go to Nicaragua in February, but I'm excited about my partners who are going. And while they're there, man, their names are in our calendar and we're praying for them because... Um, we're partners. Awesome. Thank you, Martha. Hey, so final question. <clears throat> I know there are some of us sitting out there, sitting in our seats, and we're new to this idea of generosity, and, and some of us were not raised by parents who were teaching us to tithe, and so we are wrestling with this idea of starting to tithe or maybe giving above and beyond our tithe to a new level of generosity. We're right on the edge of starting a brand new season of generosity. So what advice... What encouragement could you give that person? Well, I'd just say, when you read the Bible, do we believe the whole thing? Because if we believe the whole Bible is the Word of God and the whole Bible is true, then pull it out, quietly just read Malachi 3. And it says we can walk under the curse, with which, thank God, Jesus has broken the curse for us. But if we believe that when we tithe, the open, it opens the windows of heaven for us, man, would I rather live this life on earth under an open heaven or under a curse? No way. That is a no-brainer. I'm going to live under the open heaven for sure because this world is not all there is, and we know that. Yeah, if you don't walk in that joy and peace and you're given, if you, don't ha if you come in with fear, you know, every time when Pastor Kirk starts teaching on this, people often get upset and they all he talks about is money well listen he doesn't need your money god doesn't need your money but god wants you to get in on a system of blessings so that you can be blessed so that you can earn more so you can give more it's all up to him and if you don't start walking in it then you'll never enjoy the richness of life the flourishing of life that you can have so get excited when he starts teaching this and start meditating on these messages meditate on romans 15 13 and malachi 3 and and watch these messages over and over and over again off the church's website so you can start to have that abundance in your heart and then your giving will be easy and you'll be blessed it's awesome thank you byron and martha hey everyone if you ever have a chance to hang out with the matthews family do it they're full of wisdom and they're a lot of fun thank you guys amen Beautiful. Thank you, guys. Fantastic. So today I, I want to talk about an idea that is literally centered around what could possibly be my favorite verse in the Bible. So we're, we're talking about this idea, one, that Jesus broke the curse of poverty, two, that whatever we sow, we reap. So if we want a bountiful future, we can sow bountifully and have a capacity to create a future. And today... I want to talk about this idea that God is a God of abundance. Everybody say abundance. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8. Uh, I, this, I may want this verse on my 
tombstone. It would take a large tombstone to have this many words, but uh, I, I, I really love this verse and what it tells us about our relationship with God. It says, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. What, what an amazing idea. I've always thought this. If you had never heard about God or Christianity or been taught religious ideas and you came in to a relationship with the Lord and you started here, this was your launch point, how you viewed God, how you viewed life, how you viewed this whole world and your impact in the world, I think this would take us to an amazing place to live in, with this as the center of the way that we think about life. God is able. Grace abounds. All sufficiency in everything and that God would bring us to a place of abundance for every good deed. I think until we see God as a God of abundance we, and that God supplies abundantly, we're always going to live in fear that there's not enough. It is, that is the fear that is going to keep us from honoring God. That is the fear that is going to keep us from being generous because if we see the future and if we see God as a God who is scarce and skimpy and small about the way that he supplies for us, when we begin to see that God is a God of abundance and God desires for us to live lives of abundance, everything starts to change. Abundance simply realizes this, more is coming, more is there. There is, a, there is another world that I have yet to experience or grow in. Jesus put it this way, John 10, 10, the thief comes, that's the devil, comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. He said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly. Some translations even say more abundantly. Jesus came to give us an abundant life. Jesus came to give us a life of abundance. Abundance characterizes our life. Abundance is our mentality as we look at life. You may have been born into scarcity. You may have been born even into poverty. But when you get born again, you are born into abundance. There is a new world for you. God's desire is for your life to be in abundance, for you to live in abundance. And abundance simply means there's more than just barely enough. So we are able in our walk with Jesus to live in abundant peace. Are you there? We're able to live in abundant joy. 
we're able to live in abundant financial resource. We are able to live in abundant strength. An abundant life frees you to be a blessing to other people. You're not just living a life that is focused on you. You're not just living a life that is focused on just taking care of you. I think this, you know, false humility idea that would just kind of, you know, say, God, all I want is just barely enough. I don't want to tax the God who created everything to actually supply abundantly from me. And I just, I just want to encourage you to under, I think it's, that's the kind of thinking behind songs like, just give me a cabin in the corner of glory. And I'm thinking, I think the Bible has, talks about mansion, not cabin tucked in the corner of glory. And I think that there are some people that have so limited what God can do in their life because they're not living with abundance in their mindset. They're living with scarcity. They're living with this idea that God barely provides. God barely blesses. God barely gives. Because once you get freed to the idea that God wants you to live in abundance then you are free and easy to obey him and release what he's put into your life because when you release it, more is coming. I think the reality we all have to face is this. It's not God that's limited. It's us. You know, that's, that's what makes him God. He is unlimited. No shortage with God, no shortage of ideas, no shortage of creativity, no shortage of resources, no shortage of anything with our God. But the limitation is us, our thinking, our believing, our, our, our past experience. Genesis 17, Abram was 99 years old. The Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. The Hebrew is, I am El Shaddai, the God who is more than enough. He introduces himself to Abram and he says, I am the God who is more than enough. So walk before me, be blameless. I will establish my covenant. Who made a covenant with you? The God who is more than enough and I will multiply you exceedingly. I think when we start to see God as not just the God who is barely enough, but the God who is more than enough, and recognize that abundance is in his name. Abundance is in his nature. Abundance is in the covenant that he's made with us. When, when we understand this idea that both the spiritual world and the natural world have been built by God with abundance in them, then we can begin to walk in what God really has for our life. When our mentality or our operating system on life is, is 
is thinking scarcity, like there's barely enough, then we literally close off the options that God could use to bring his abundance into our world. Anybody see the uh, supermoon this past week? Anybody, anybody look at the supermoon? Pretty amazing to me that uh, they could tell us that this is the brightest, the closest the moon has ever been in 68 years. And it won't be that close again till uh, 2034 is what I understand. So it's worth going outside to take a look, walk. And, and, you know, the truth is astronomers, people who study those kind of things, for many, many years could not create an accurate calendar for people to use because astronomers used to think that the earth was the center of the solar system. And because they had the wrong center, because they had the wrong idea about what the center of things are, they could not create a calendar that worked. When Galileo said, hey, I think the sun, the sun, the sun is the center of the solar system, then we were able to find a calendar that worked. I'm just saying, some of us have been living with our earth as the center of our solar system, our experiences, our family, our economy, our life, and I'm just encouraging you to get off of your earth and understand that the sun, S-O-N, can be the center of your solar system. And I think as long as you have scarcity at the center of your solar system, the center of your outlook on life, then you have no way to open yourself up to the abundance that God wants to bring into your life. But when you recognize that God has created both the spiritual and the natural world with abundance in them, then you can start to open yourself up for the options that God could use to bring abundance into your life. For years, the natural fuel source that was used in the earth was whale blubber. Come on, whale blubber. That's what you feel after Thanksgiving dinner. Whale blubber. And, and, and there was a fear that we were going to run out of fuel on the earth because the whale population was being depleted. And then when somebody said, you know what, we don't have to just live in that world of whale blubber, but we actually can use coal as a fuel source, another world of abundance opened up. And then when we began to shift over to petroleum oil being used as a fuel source, then we moved into another world. And there are people that think eventually we're going to exhaust all of the petroleum oil in the earth. Well, guess what? If people like Elon Musk have their way, we are going to move beyond petroleum oil to another bigger, broader, abundant world. I'm just saying the world you've experienced right now might just be a whale blubber world. It might just be a tiny pumpkin world, but God literally has more and more to release into your life. 
Somebody say amen. That's just good. That's good stuff. Come on, you got to understand this. There are opportunities with the internet that have, are now available to people that weren't even a thought in somebody's mind 25 years ago. It's a brand new world of abundance. There, you know, there are opportunities that are built around personal computers that barely existed 25 years ago. I remember when, for, when 10, 15 years ago, we'd spend $1,500 a week to throw our church service on a half-hour TV show locally, and now we don't have to spend hardly any of that kind of money to broadcast our service literally around the world because of the world that's been opened up to us because of the internet. I'm just telling you, God has another world that you could live in that's much more abundant than the world you live in now. This little device right here has absolutely transformed the world. And do you realize that the first in 2006, there was no iPhone. 2007, nine years ago, not even 10 years ago, the first iPhone came out. I'm just saying to you, you got to think abundance. You got to think there's another way. You got to think there's a bigger world. You got to think maybe my little earth is not the center of the solar system. Maybe I can move my thinking to a much bigger place. I think as long as we've got scarcity at the center of our thinking, we're never going to enlarge our lives to generosity. Some people would give the, the definition of economics literally as the management of scarce resources. If you were to go on dictionary.com, you'd see that they have some phrases like this. Economics is generally understood to concern behavior that deals with the scarcity of resources and that conventional economic theory gets thrown out when scarcity ceases. I'm saying let's not build our economic outlook on scarcity. Let's build our economic outlook on abundance because our God is an abundant God. Abundance is a mentality. It doesn't just affect your finances. It affects every arena of your life. Ephesians 3, verse 20, now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond, that's like three pretty large superlatives, all that you ask or think according to the power that works within us. Can we have to recognize this? God is unlimited. We are limited. We are limited by our thinking. We are limited about what we really believe is possible in life. And the truth is, God has no shortage, but when he's trying to pour it through stingy, he can't get what he wants into the earth. Can anybody hear what I'm saying? Our limitations are literally what are keeping God's unlimited from being released in the earth. His 
His ability, this verse tells us, is above, exceedingly above and beyond all that you could even ask or think. I really believe that the release of God's blessing and ability and God's answers for the earth could be so enlarged if we could enlarge our thinking, if we could enlarge our asking. I, I think we need some big thinkers, <laughs> some God signs. How big are you willing to think? How big is your ask? I think our operating system has to change to recognize our God is a God of abundance. He's created a life of abundance for us to live. It's according to the power at work within us. Isaiah 55, I'll just give you a few verses. If I was, if, if I was being smart, I'd jot these verses down and meditate on them. Ho! Everybody say ho! Thank you. Everyone who thirsts, come to the water. You who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money, without cost. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Here's what God says. Listen carefully to me, not to the filtered newscast of CNN or Fox or whatever you listen to, not to the filtered information flow that comes through your Facebook feed. Listen to me and eat what's good. And here's what the result of that is. Delight yourself in, everybody say it with me, abundance. So if you listen to the right things, if you eat, consume the right things, the end result of that is that you will live and delight yourself in abundance. Psalm 37, verse 11 says, the humble... Those who don't think they know it all. Those who realize they still got more to learn. Those who say, I'm going to remain teachable. I'm not going to dig in my heels, but I'm going to let God grow my mind, grow my heart, grow my faith. The humble will inherit the land, and they will delight themselves in, everybody say it with me, abundant prosperity. Come on. Don't be a know-it-all. You're only hurting yourself. Psalm 36, your loving kindness, O Lord, extends to the heavens. That's pretty big. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. That's pretty abundant. Your righteousness is like the mountains of God. Your judgments are like a great deep, O oh Lord. You preserve man and beast. How precious is your loving kindness, O oh God. And the children of men take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They drink their fill of the abundance of your house. You give them the drink of the river of your delights, 
With you is the fountain of life. In your light, we see light. Come on. God never intended for his house to be stingy, to be small, to be sparing. The Bible says drink your fill of the abundance of the house of God. Jeremiah 31, verse 14. I will fill the soul. Your soul is your mind, the way you think, your will, the choices you make, your emotions, how you feel about it. I will fill the soul of the priest with abundance. And my people shall be satisfied with my goodness. When your soul is filled with abundance, your whole life will be filled with abundance. Third John tells us, this is my last verse for today, for today. Beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health as your soul prospers. As the truth is this, abundance starts on the inside. There's no shortage of God from the outside, but he's looking for vessels, vehicles, channels that he could flow his abundance through into the earth. And it's all about our soul. It's all about how we think, how we feel, how we believe, how we choose. As your soul fills up with the abundance of God, all the arenas of your life fill up with the abundance of God. Amen. I want to pray with you today. I want you to bow your heads, please, and close your eyes. Father, we, we just want to thank you that you have called us to live a life characterized by abundance. It is your will, it is your desire to pour into our world amazing abundance. I'm praying for every person in this room. I'm praying for the lights to come on. I'm praying for revelation. I'm praying, God, for new thinking and new asking and new believing to emerge for every one of us. Let your spirit open our heart and mind to this amazing idea from your word. While your head is still bowed, your eyes are still closed, I just, I want, I want to take a moment to pray. You could live a life of abundant peace, abundant joy, abundant love, and abundant sense of purpose. You could live a life of abundant strength by leaning in to this God of abundance. It's not about you, it's about Him. And I just want to encourage you today, I don't know where you are in terms of your relationship with God, but I, I just want to pray with you. Maybe you've never just surrendered your life to Jesus. I would love to pray with you as you take that first step toward Him. Maybe you're here today and there was a day when you really used to be close to the Lord, but you know you're not there now. Not where you used to be, not where you could be or should be, and you know it's time for you to come back home. Or maybe you just feel unsure. No one's looking around, but I just, I just want to give us an opportunity to, 
to just lean in, just to put our life into the hands of this incredible God. And if you say, Pastor, that's me. I need to give my life to Christ. I need to come back, or I just want to be sure. I want you to raise your hand real high all over this room and say, I need Jesus in my life. God bless you. I need God. I need my life in the hands of God. Anybody else? God bless you over here. Come on, anybody else just say, hey, listen, I'm not where I want to be. I'm not where I need to be. I know I need a reality for my relationship with God in my life. Anybody else? Amen. Thank you. I want to pray this prayer. Uh, I want to lead you in a prayer. I'm asking for everybody in the room just to join in. This is for all those who lifted their hands, but let's just all join in and say these words together. Everybody say, Lord Jesus, I come to you to surrender my life to your love, to your lordship. I need you. I want you in my world as my Lord. I know I've sinned. I come to the cross where you paid the price for a fresh start and a new beginning. I give you my life today. Help me become the person you created me to be. Amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord. Amen.